There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. 97.1 FM The Drive presents the Behind the Song Podcast, taking you deeper into classic rock's most timeless tunes. Here's your host, Janda. In this episode of Behind the Song, we'll peel back the curtain on the lyrics of Limelight by Rush and the famously private man who wrote those lyrics, the late great drummer Neil Peart. Peart was a drummer so skilled, so ferociously powerful, and at the same time so meticulous and nuanced that most other drummers the world over have given him his proper and rightful credit as one of the very best of all time. He was, of course, naturally gifted on the instrument and began taking lessons at around age 13, where he grew up in St. Catharines, Ontario. By his own admission, he was built awkwardly, with bad ankles, and was not very good at playing hockey, which early on made him somewhat of an outsider among his peers in school. That and the fact that he was a very bookish kid to begin with. When he discovered drumming, he became obsessed with learning everything about it. And he never stopped learning from other masters throughout his life, even taking lessons from jazz master Freddie Gruber in the mid-90s when he was already a rock legend, and with Peter Erskine in the 2000s, instruction which altered his approach to playing. This, along with releasing his own instructional videos, cemented the nickname he had acquired from fans and other musicians, The Professor. He said of this, "'What is a master but a master student?' And if that's true, then there's a responsibility on you to keep getting better and to explore avenues of your profession. But the jazz influence was always there. Gene Krupa and Buddy Rich, jazz greats who blew minds behind the drumsticks, were early influences on his style, as were rockers Keith Moon, John Bonham, and Ginger Baker. After moving to England at 18 to try and make it as a musician there, but not having much luck, he came back home to Canada and resigned himself to working for his father selling tractor parts. He was playing in a band called, oddly, Hush, at the same time as well, when a friend suggested he audition for Rush, who needed a drummer after John Rutsey left the band due to diabetes-related health issues shortly after their self-titled debut was released in 1974. It was so obvious to bassist and vocalist Getty Lee and guitarist Alex Lifeson that they had found their new drummer when Peart showed up in a beat-up old car with his drums stored in trash cans, the fourth person to audition for the role, that they said they actually felt embarrassed for the fifth person scheduled to audition, who was waiting in the wings, writing down charts to try and remember their songs. Peart's seemingly effortless style so complemented the music that it was, to them... A no-brainer. And there was immediate respect between the three, but also a learning curve for them all. Lee and Lifeson had grown up together as childhood friends in Toronto and were co-founders of the band. So Peart was not only new to Rush in the playing, writing, and recording dynamic, but was also sort of a third-wheel character, at least at first, in the friendship dynamic of Lee and Lifeson. And there is, of course, no guarantee that it could have worked. 
If you've ever been the new kid in school, you know how difficult this can be. But for Peart, this initial period of being the odd man out was short-lived. The trio went on tour a mere two weeks after he joined, so it was really an out-of-the-fire-and-into-the-frying-pan situation, go time. The respect between these members of Rush was always apparent. These were three individuals who took their craft very seriously, and Peart had one more gift that made him even more valuable to the band. He could write the lyrics. Peart immediately started contributing to the lyrics of Rush songs, with a wide range of influences from books that he read, referencing philosophers like Friedrich Nietzsche, Aldo Huxley, and somewhat controversially, Anne Rand. The literature of John Steinbeck and Virginia Woolf, as well as fantasy writers. And he quickly became the principal lyricist for the band, which suited Lee and Lifeson just fine, as they preferred to focus on writing the music. By the time the band headed into the studio to record their eighth album, Moving Pictures, which was released in 1981, Rush had done the unthinkable. Mainstream success had come their way with the release of their 2112 album in 1976. And they found themselves going from a band that played wherever they could in the very early days, in burlesque houses or pool halls, to opening up for bands like Uriah Heep and Kiss, and then headlining their own arena tours, constantly on the road with more and more elaborate stage productions. Moving Pictures would be their most successful album and would continue to grow their fame which Neil Peart was downright uncomfortable with. To all the members of Rush, the trappings of fame were somewhat silly. Of course, they got up to some antics on the road, especially in the 70s, but you were as likely, after a time, to find them after a show holed up in their rooms, reading or listening to music instead of having wild parties with groupies. They enjoyed each other's sense of humor and had a real camaraderie together. Peart said that Lifeson was the funniest man alive, and Getty Lee would joke with Peart that drummers were musicians too. Their overriding goal was to always play better, write better songs and albums, and they liked impressing each other with their music's complexity and esoteric lyrics. They were always a band for the fans, supported by fans buying their music and buying tickets to their legendary concerts. They were not always given praise by rock critics, particularly in the early days, many of whom just didn't seem to get the heady lyrics and complex arrangements of the songs. Some did, but many didn't. To get an idea of how Rush felt about this, just watch Alex Lifeson's hysterical blah blah speech when the band were finally inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2013. You can find it on YouTube. The critics' opinions certainly didn't stop Rush. The band's fans have been called the Trekkies of Rock in a slight from Rolling Stone magazine, comparing them to the devoted fans of the Star Trek series. Indeed, with every album, every tour, Rush grew ever more popular to their fans, to the point that the already introverted Neil Peart penned the lyrics to a song that described his increasing discomfort with being in the public eye. Limelight. The song's title is a callback in a way. Back in 76, they named their live double album All the World's a Stage, taken from William Shakespeare's play As You Like It. The play contains a famous monologue, which contains the line, All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players, which Peart references in the song's lyrics. The play deals with the dividing of human life into seven ages of man, which are infant, schoolboy, lover, soldier or reputation seeker, 
justice or possessor of wisdom, pantaloon or lost vitality, and finally, old age. In Limelight, Peart took a performer's view of the world on a stage as a catalyst for further self-reflection. The lyrics start like this. Living on a lighted stage approaches the unreal for those who think and feel in touch with some reality beyond the gilded cage. Cast in this unlikely role, ill-equipped to act, with insufficient tact, one must put up barriers to keep oneself intact. Peart said in a rare 2017 interview with Classic Rock magazine that his withdrawal from the public wasn't all-encompassing, explaining that many times he has enjoyed the company of strangers, but usually under the anonymity of his motorcycle travels, at casual places like truck stops or diners, where patrons had no idea who he was. After his daughter died in a tragic car accident in 1997, followed by the death of his common-law wife in 1998, Peart took time away to grieve. He traveled over 55,000 miles through North and Central America and wrote about this experience in his book, Ghost Rider, Travels on the Healing Road, one of several books he published through the years. When he returned to the band, it was decided that Peart would no longer participate in any meet-and-greets with fans or do press interviews. Lee and Lifeson respected this decision, as did Rush fans. It simply would have been too hard for this introverted man to try to answer painful questions about his personal loss, and he had already penned his view on fame, that it was something that must be endured in order to practice the craft of music in the lyrics of this song. Limelight continues. Living in the limelight, the universal dream, for those who wish to seem, those who wish to be, must put aside the alienation, get on with the fascination, the real relation, the underlying theme. Living in a fisheye lens, caught in the camera eye, I have no heart to lie. I can't pretend a stranger is a long-awaited friend. In that same Classic Rock magazine interview, Peart explains, My ability to express myself has grown and evolved over the years, and when I listen to early songs, I might cringe technically, but never psychologically or emotionally. I still mean every word of limelight, however crudely it might have been expressed. When he said that the notion of being excited by meeting a stranger was odd to him, he meant it. He also said that touring for him was a kind of necessary evil that he got to do for many years. He didn't like to puncture illusions for people, knowing that he meant a lot to his fans. And of this, he said, there's a quote that I use. Be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Words to live by. And the song ends. All the world's indeed a stage, and we are merely players. Performers and portrayers, each another's audience, outside the gilded cage. Living in the limelight, the universal dream, for those who wish to seem, those who wish to be, must put aside the alienation, get on with the fascination, the real relation, the underlying theme. Limelight is, lyrically, the most quintessentially Neil Peart song in the entire body of work by Rush. As a lyricist, he dealt with other subjects, of course, mysticism, science fiction, and world-building, along with his issues with religion and society. 
But his struggle with dealing with fame was at the core of his experience. A painfully shy, smart kid who loved to read and study, and who often felt alienated from others, and a man who reacted to life's changes with deep consideration. Peart announced he was retiring from Rush in 2015 after years of battling shoulder pain and tendonitis. In what would be a final act of guarding his privacy, he and his family and friends kept the brain cancer that he had been quietly battling a secret from the public for over three years before he passed away on Tuesday, January seventh, twenty twenty. He was sixty-seven. He is revered by artists ranging from contemporaries like Stuart Copeland of the Police to Taylor Hawkins and Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters, and many more. Dave Grohl wrote of Peart's passing in a tribute in Rolling Stone, "The world lost a true giant in the history of rock and roll." It was also Grohl who said of Peart's nickname, "The Professor," that quote, "We all learned from him." Rush has been awarded 24 gold, 14 platinum, and three multi-platinum albums, of which "Moving Pictures" is one. The band has been nominated for seven Grammy awards, and they were inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame in 1994. Neil Peart also collected numerous awards for his drumming and as a percussionist, as well as for his songwriting. To see some candid, excellent photographs of Peart, check out the book *Rhythm and Light* by his widow, the photographer Carrie Nuttall. The two were married in 2000, and their daughter Olivia was born in 2009. The cover of the book shows Peart's hands at rest, holding his drumsticks. As for the remaining members of the band, Alex Lifeson and Getty Lee continue to be friends as they have been since their school days, and are now the caretakers of the rich legacy of Rush. And the band's music lives on with the fans. The Trekkies of rock aren't going anywhere anytime soon, because to the fans, the music of Rush is well. To borrow from another Rush song. Closer to the heart, no matter what the critics ever said about them, and man, what glorious music these three artists made together, in and out of the limelight. I'm Janda, and this has been Behind the Song. Special thanks to Christian Lane for music and engineering. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Podcast One, or stream for free at wdrv.com/behindthesong or on the Drive app. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Jandalane Radio, and on Twitter at Jandalane. On the way, episodes on songs from Simon and Garfunkel, Heart, and more classic rock and roll. Put the power of podcasting to work for your business. You can be part of behind the song and reach potential customers inside every episode. To advertise your product or service by sponsoring Behind the Song, send an email to podcast at hubbardradio dot com now.